We have a right answer, which seems to be really good for right now. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. When you're not talking about sex, how do you negotiate consent? Why is talking about how we make agreements even a useful thing to do? Former director of the Consent Academy in Seattle and current marriage and family counselor Sar Sermek joins us today to chat about this and more. If consent is important to you, let's talk about it. If consent isn't important to you, it might be worth reflecting on why. Do you feel like you've just mastered consent for your purposes? You might totally have the skills you need to get by or even to thrive. I would encourage you, though, to ask what a deeper understanding might gift you or your relationships. Content warning for a brief mention of the damage non-consent can do. Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Sar Sermik from the Consent Academy, www.consent.academy. Uh, Sar uses he, him, and she, her pronouns, and is the previous Consent Academy director, and of course is a marriage and family therapist, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about why consent is important. Welcome, Sar. How are you this morning? Hi, Vicar. I'm good. It's good to be here. Awesome. So let's, let's start into how you got involved in consent. What made you first realize it's important? Uh, excellent question. The the funny answer is that I sort of fell into it by mistake. Not mistake, really, but <laughs> um, I've been a an educator for quite a long time. That's my first career. I've been teaching for the last mumble decades. Um, <laughs> the about uh, ever it's like twenty twenty one. 2022. So about 12 years ago, um, I started teaching for the Foundation for Sex Positive Culture. And it was a way originally just to teach communication skills to people. And a couple of years ago, a couple of years after that, rather, we, the director's like, hey, we need somebody to teach about consent. We've been having a bunch of consent incidents. There's been some problems. We just, we want someone to teach about consent. I'm like, I'll do that. I love teaching. <laughs> and it was one of those things where, like, I stepped into it thinking, well, I understand the basics. Uh, and I can do more research. Little did I know the rabbit hole that that would be. So this was back in, like, 2011 10 years ago 10 years ago consent was a significant issue but it was not the part of the normal discourse that it is now mm -hmm. and so finding 
research on it, finding articles about it was actually really difficult. And you know, I, I started with a curriculum. You put something together that was pretty basic. You know, you should be consensual with one another. That would be great. Please don't hurt each other. Uh, and mix it in with a little bit of communication skills. Like this is how you talk about things and negotiate things. From the vantage point of now, I look back on that and I'm like, that curriculum was awful <laughs> and very uninformed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of realized that at the, at the time. And so as people, especially as people started asking more and more questions and I started getting like just more and more like difficult, you know, hey, you're an expert. How do you, how would you answer this question? Is this consensual? Is that consensual? Right. And there were a bunch of times where I had to say, look, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, and it yeah. pushed me to, to do some research. I think the gold standard answer is the, I don't know, but I'll get back to you. And yeah. I find it quite telling that the, I'll get back to you is not part of that response. <laughs> Uh, well, and it was like, at the time, it was like, I don't know. And I didn't right. know anybody who did know. Right. Uh, now, I have much better answers for, that, <laughs> for those questions. <laughs> if I could go back and talk to my 10 years ago self. Um, but part, so part of what I did was just trying to find literature and research and, and topics. But the other thing, and the bigger thing I did was I just started talking to people other educators, uh, other therapists, people who had been in the kink scene, people who were teachers. Yeah, I, there was a point where, like, if you had crossed my path in about 2012 or 2013, like, I would have asked you about consent at some point. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as having those conversations started to really open up my my concept of what consent was and the complexity of it mm -hmm. so i kept teaching my classes got better more people got interested and then people started asking for more like just more people started asking like hey can you teach a class can you do this can you do that um, and in 2016 it had gotten to the point of like this is too much like mm -hmm. I, I am one person trying to solve this question mm -hmm. and realizing two things. One, I didn't have that kind of time. Mm -hmm. And two, my, my viewpoint, my perspective was still limited by myself, by who mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. And so I started bringing in more people and that's how the consent Academy was born. <laughs> awesome. That's yeah. a great answer. I mean, well, and so to go back to your question, mm -hmm. I mean, part of the reason why consent became so important to me is because I saw the damage that a lack of consent was doing in everybody I talked to. Mm -hmm. You know, and it wasn't just, you know, people who had experienced significant events, sexual assault, rape, significant traumas that sort of thing like mm -hmm. those were in there mm -hmm. to be sure 
but I started to hear stories from people about just the little things, you know, the people who crossed their boundaries and the times they said no and somebody didn't listen, um, you know, the boss who forced them to work when they were sick or, you know, had them drag themselves in when they were exhausted and, and all of these things. And it's like the lack of consent in a lot of people's lives really causes a lot of damage and the more stories i heard the more i was just like i somebody's got to do something about this <laughs> yeah totally it can't be just me uh and what what little pebble can i throw in the pond to, to try to create some ripples so mm -hmm. so that's yeah. what we did which brings us up to date on the Consent Academy being created. You're now the previous Consent Academy director. Um, that's got to be a good feeling to hand off something that you've put so much time and care into and to be able to focus on creating more in the world while other people are sort of continuing on the work that you did with the Consent Academy. It is, it is. And I, I'm, still, I'm still with the Academy. I still teach, I still educate. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah... Uh, as 2021 came to a close, uh, it was very clear to me that they two things. One, that with all of the admin side of running a nonprofit, I didn't have time to do the writing that I really <laughs> wanted to do. Uh, and the other is that the organization had grown to the point where having just, like just me at the head was actually holding us back. Mm. Um, I have a specific way I like to do things. Realized over the course of the pandemic that I am much better in person than I am virtually. Uh, and you know, just that's where I started. It's like standing in front of a classroom. Uh, and so moving it to people who have a different vision, who have a little bit more experience, uh, and who are a little younger, with a little more energy, <laughs> uh, you know, felt like very much the the direction to to go. Awesome. So I'm, oh, I'm blanking. I, I had a question, and then I was listening <laughs> intently. Um, you you got me thinking about rabbits. Believe it or not. Um, so firstly, okay. I firstly I have ADHD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like people need to be um, informed of that. Um, but secondly, you were talking about how the young have so much energy. And I thought about how we have a lovely aging bunny who just likes to sit and be pet and be warm <laughs> and get treats. And is just so happy to just like sit near you and just chill. And then uh -huh. we have a younger rabbit and she'll chill for about five minutes and then be digging and kicking and trying to like roll the sheets up into a bunch in the corner to make like nesting material. And she'll mm -hmm. just be like rolling this blanket into like a tube one way and then just like rolling it back, just like constant energy. And I'm like, this is a, like, you know, in, in bunny years, like a 30 year old bunny. And I'm like, I, I feel like I don't have that much energy at 35. <laughs> Anyways, just random offshoot. 
totally fine. I completely understand the having someone younger sort of take the mantle on of doing all the things, especially with a nonprofit, because there is a lot of administrative stuff to do with a nonprofit, at least in Canada. I imagine it's the same in the U.S. Oh, it's totally the same. Um, you know, and I'm lucky to have had a good team and uh, an executive director who's been awesome. But yeah, there's just, especially because we went from, at the beginning of the pandemic, we went from an all-in-person organization. <laughs> like 100%, all of our teaching was in person. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we would fly and we would travel, we'd go places. But uh, to, in the course of about three weeks, to being 100% online. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a huge administrative hurdle, and uh, yeah, we did it, and we actually did it really well. And we went from like this Seattle organization that was, you know, getting much more well known throughout the United States mm-hmm. to an international organization, mm-hmm. like in three months. <laughs> yeah, I I watched that growth and. I remember being like, maybe I just didn't realize how far the reach of Consent Academy was three months ago, but it's making more sense now. Yeah, it just it exploded so quickly, and yeah, we've had we've had people join workshops from Australia and India and Japan and throughout Europe, East Coast, um, and so then we started picking up volunteers from all over of course yeah um and now we have not you know we have our our you know the core volunteers that we had earlier here in seattle but we have volunteers in austin and dallas and ontario detroit (laughs) vienna london barcelona it's just that's incredible it's gotten huge so quickly Mm -hmm. Uh Like, why consent is important, there's so many ways to answer that question. And, you know, you know why I got started on it? Mm-hmm. It's because I saw the damage it could do. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that's why we often, for larger social issues, it's like, you start by noticing the places where it's flawed, where it's broken, where people get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, especially as I started working with the academy and, and bringing in other people, and like we've just had these amazing sort of theory jam sessions. They used to be like in people's living rooms and basements, and now they're all online. You start to get a sense of what it could be. Mm-hmm. And so you start to get a sense of you that consent, the very notion of consent, that people get to say yes or no to something, Mm -hmm. just that very base concept that people have the right to agree to do things that other people ask of them, Mm -hmm. and they have the right to say no and set boundaries around things that other people ask of them is so fundamental to the human experience. Mm -hmm. And living in a world where just that fundamental belief 
were was absolutely understood by people, I think would change just about everything in the way our culture and society works. I, I agree. I think it's sometimes hard for people to imagine that when I first say things like that in a workshop. If I say something like, like this would be a reimagining entirely of society, people are sort of like, yeah, I think you're, I think you're exaggerating. You know, I feel like I get that response from people, especially yeah. like the uninitiated to the complexities of consent. Um, and um, actually, I, one of the great stories that I, I heard about consent that I think frames a mundane re interaction, um, yeah. I heard um, from Mel Mariposa um, through the Consent Crew, um, which was a, a small Vancouver organization, sort of like mm -hmm. the... Uh, yeah, so, I, I don't even want to compare organizations, cause, uh, but, uh, but it was a small Vancouver organization. We had a good time. We taught some consent workshops. It was, it, was, it was good. It delivered a service that I think we all felt was very needed. Yeah. Um, as, as so many community consent organizations do. But uh, the story was, after a, let's just, let's just say, a long weekend of camping, um, one, it, it was sort of a, a regional Burning Man type festival. So yeah. yeah. Folks were camping for a long time. You may have even heard the story. But uh, basically, someone sort of approached this camp and was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm giving out lots of plums because, you know, we have all of these amazing plums that we that we brought with us that we were going to give out. Um, and we just weren't able to give out enough of them during the course of this thing. So I brought you all some plums and left a whole bunch of plums um, at the camp and just left. <laughs> they were like... <laughs> They were like, geez, there's like, it's like 50 plums here and like five of us and we have to pack out everything. Everything. <laughs> so they're like, did, did we just get non-consensual plums? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love it. So it's like the most mundane interaction, but it's also just like, wow, this person came in under the guise of giving us this gift and maybe they genuinely believe that they were. And now we're sort of saddled with this extra thing we have to do. Like, do we, do we have to try and eat them? Like, what's our relationship to like waste? But then right. also like, we now have to pack them out. We have to carry this person's plums that we didn't agree to carry. And the, 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 the simple, the simple act of, Hey, I have something for you. Do you want it? Mm -hmm. And waiting for an answer. is doesn't seem like it should be revolutionary agreed agreed it's it's interesting it's like sometimes i run into folks and they just have had certain socialization pieces and those things are not in the least bit revolutionary and then other yeah. times i run into different folks and they're world shattering yeah yeah it's and amazing after so many years of teaching of you know, because the consent world is, you know, it's fairly tight still. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whenever you teach a workshop, there's always the people who come who are like, yes, I, I already know, mm -hmm. but I want to be here with people who think similarly to, than I, um, which is great because those folks have so many good questions. Like they just mm -hmm. take things to a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Um but you also have the people who show up who are, you know, like, 
I keep hearing about this consent thing or, hey, somebody told me I really needed to come to one of these workshops. <laughs> and the ones who are open, you can you can see that just the very fact, the very concept that they can say no to something. Mm-hmm. You know, and that if somebody else says no to something, it's not a rejection. It's not a slight. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a, a an arrow that has been shot at them. Right. It's simply a that person deciding for themselves what's right for them. Mm-hmm. They don't want the plums. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's it's okay. Like it's not a rejection of you or your fruit. It's just <laughs> they don't like plums. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that that's. I, I think for me, I I really enjoy thinking in systems, and and I get the feeling from you that you also really like thinking in systems with how much I you do. enjoy. You you very much seem to enjoy the writing process, which, when I first started, I really enjoyed the writing process, and very quickly I. It, it, I don't want to say it became a chore, but it. I started realizing how difficult finding the right words was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then suddenly I didn't love the writing process as much. It, it became more of this like challenge to try and say what I wanted to say in few words that were meaningful and communicated the ideas. That was challenging. Yeah. Well, it's, it is. let's be fair. It is like it's, I've done a lot of it and it's still a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, that, that crafting of, of concepts and putting form to idea is, has always been a great love of mine. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, do you have any closing thoughts or comments on why consent is important? Um, just hours worth. It's just, you know, the closing thoughts. Well, let's see. I'm free all day tomorrow, except in the <laughs> afternoon. So, no. The, I think my closing thought would just be, if you think consent is important, awesome, great. Let's take that a step deeper. Mm-hmm. If you don't think consent is important... Think about why. Mm-hmm. Like, what is a world where non-consent is useful to you? And why is it good for you to have consent not be important? Mm-hmm. Or even if you don't think consent is important because it seems like, you know, it's fine and it's always just worked for you then maybe think about why it is so many people seem to be talking about why it doesn't work for them and how your experience might differ. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's my challenge to folks is like, if you like it, if you think it's important, great. I've got a really significant rabbit hole for you. (laughs) Uh, And if you don't question that, Mm -hmm. Because I I think just like I did, that when you start delving into it, when you start really thinking about it and opening yourself up, not just to your own experiences, but to the experiences of others, you will find how vitally important consent is in all of our lives. Mm 
including yours. Thanks so much, Sar. I really appreciate having you on the session today. Great conversation. Great conversation. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor, or tweet me at Intimate Victor, or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>